Welcome to Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us. My name is Matt Moore. I'll be your host today. Joining me is Adam Myers from DNVR. We are part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Check out all the great shows across the network. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Do all those things. It helps us out so much. Recommend it to a friend. Say, hey, do you like the Nuggets? Because I like the Nuggets. And you should listen to this podcast because they will talk about how much the Nuggets can't beat the friggin' Sacramento Kings for some weird reason. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. All right, Adam, we got a lot to get through with this one. There's a lot to talk about for it being a Kings game. If you had told me how interesting and how important (laughs) will your discussions of the Sacramento Kings games be before the season, I would have been like, oh no, who got hurt? Um, Let's start here. We know the Nuggets were shorthanded. They were out Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Faco Campazzo, PJ Dozier. Any one of those players would have been extremely helpful in this game. What does it tell you that Jokic can score 50 and this team lost this game? What do we learn from this game? Well, I didn't think that was possible for starters. So, I mean, number one, it tells you that that was even a possibility. Um, You know, Denver's problems with Sacramento, I think, really stem from the fact that they have some very good guards and guards that are able to get into the paint. And it's funny you mentioned all the guys that were out. The Nuggets have played the Kings twice before with those guys in. Granted, it was early in the season, but the games went very similarly. There were a lot of shots made in the paint, non-restricted area from guards and getting into the paint, collapsing the defense or getting there and hitting the short roller, Rashawn Holmes, who's just automatic from 12 feet out with that floater. So I, as much as I want to agree with you that, yeah, it makes sense to say that Gary Harris, any PJ Dozier, Jamal Murray, any of those guys would have helped a lot. But the simple truth is Denver seems to have a hard time with this specific type of team, regardless of who's playing. Let's just talk defense for a minute. What do we think the, the key problem is for this team in terms of the defense? Like we know it's perimeter can put we know we know what the problem is. They can't contain anybody on the edge. Right. right? Like they're fine and they're actually pretty okay in pick and roll. They just can't contain anybody on the edge. Is that if you added different personnel, would it get better? Or do they need to change the scheme because this problem has become such a consistent issue that it's unsolvable? I don't think this is a scheme issue at all. Um, And Denver, over the course of three games, has done a lot of different things. I I think it's honestly an athleticism thing. And some of this is just the state of the Nuggets at the moment. Like Will Barton is typically an athletic player. He's not very athletic at all right now. And then, you you know, Monte Morris, a very good player. He, this is not talking about them being good or bad. It's just where are they weak and weak in athleticism. Yeah, he's small. He's not necessarily quick. You got Paul Millsap. You got Jamichael Green. These are good players. They're just none of them are athletic. And I think when you go up against the really athletic, really quick guards, you just see how slow Denver looks on the defensive end. And that, and to me, that's what it looked like. So no matter what scheme you do, if you have players that don't have the size, length, and speed to, to match up defensively, then you're going to be in scramble mode all night. And I just that, that's what Denver was. They were chasing. They were running around. That fourth quarter was a fantastic offensive quarter, especially from Jokic. But they never, they could barely pull closer because they kept every time they'd score, they'd give up a bucket on the other end. They could not get any stops. So uh, to me, I, I really do think it's a lot about athleticism. So this is obviously, I think, one where they just need to get new guys, right? They just need to get other guys that can 
do, they can perform these roles in the event. Cause like, this is part of where I think the roster construction this summer was flawed. Um, right. Yeah. Like you have Jamal and you have Monte and you have Compazzo and all those guys are similar in some aspects in terms of being undersized, smart players that have reasonable efficiency. Um, PJ Dozier would have helped a lot in this game. I feel like from a conceptual standpoint, but at the same point, like there's a lot of numbers that indicate that the team struggles when Dozier has been on the floor this season. So I don't know, like I I don't defensively, they've struggled offensively. I think defensively his numbers have been very good. Yeah. And so like, maybe that's like the, the big thing here is like that. This is one where for as much as it's easy to point to Gary Harris or somebody else, like just put PJ Dozier on Harrison Barnes. And cause like, that I think is is maybe one of the, if I were a Nuggets fan, I'd right. be most frustrated at is like I think Harrison Barnes is a good player. I think Harrison Barnes is an underrated player. I think Harrison Barnes has absolutely roasted this team in three straight games and they did absolutely zero zilch nothing about it. Yeah. Well, we talk about defensive <laughs> and we're putting a lot of this on the guards, and I think there is something to that, but the, the there is also the part of when Michael Porter has been on the court this season, especially when he's been on the court with Jokic, it's been an absolute disaster defensively. And this was another game where that was the case. And, you know, he had some blown rotations. Actually, he had a good amount of them. I, th- I thought this was a really terrible game for Porter, and, and the numbers bear this out. He was a minus 20. Nobody else remotely close. But he had a couple egregious, you know, missed rotations, missed assignments, this or that. But more than anything, and this is not a thing that I usually think is a strong weakness for Michael Porter, but it was in this game, his one-on-one defense in this one, he got absolutely roasted by Harrison Barnes a lot. And there were a couple of high-profile plays where Harrison Barnes was going at him in ways that he would beat him so bad that it was one of those ones where Harrison Barnes would run over to his bench and start dancing. Like He was, he was getting absolutely torched defensively in this game. Yeah, it's a real problem. I want to come back to Porter in the second segment. Let's talk okay. real quickly. You said this on the on the DMVR show yesterday, and I think you're accurate in that like Jokic doesn't want to score 50. Right. That's not what he wants. So, and this is like the third or fourth straight game. Yeah. Where this is the model now is and like it makes sense, right? Because like I've always advocated for this with the Le- with LeBron. Nobody ever does it with LeBron, which I think is interesting. Like nobody stays home on the shooters and is just like, go score 60 or 70, LeBron. Like, go do it. Because he, right. he would be he would be just like, this is weird. I don't like this. Like, he wants to play in the flow of the offense. Um, and he might have just halfway through at this point in his career, but especially when he was younger, like, the play was definitely to, like, stay home on shooters, make him do it all. Because he doesn't want to do that. It makes him uncomfortable. Right. Um, this is definitely the model now. It It's funny that we how this looks a couple games later. Because if in the beginning it was, look at all these assists. He's leading the, the league in assists. Right. And the Nuggets were winning. Um, after that that bump in the early season. And then teams started doing this, and it was like, oh, wow, look, Jokic scored all these points. How incredible is he that he can do both? And now a couple of games later, and with some losses, it's like, yeah, it's hard for the Nuggets to win if Jokic is the one. I, I, don't, know, I don't know if I agree with this, actually. I mean, first of all, they won when he had 47 two game, three games ago. So um, I, I don't know that that's necessarily a one-to-one thing here. I think more you just look at this game individually. I mean, Denver had a 118, 119 offensive rating when Jokic was on the court yesterday. Yeah, That was fair. good enough. Yeah. It was the defense that killed him and sunk him. And even if you want to talk about, you know, how to guard Jokic and, and oh, we're going to let him do this, Michael Porter still got seven three-pointers up. He went one of seven. Um, you know, Marcus Howard, who shared the court with Jokic, I think for all of his minutes or almost all of his minutes, he got five threes up. He goes one for five. Will Barton goes one for five. I, I mean, some of this is 
I thought they got good looks, even though Jokic was being very aggressive as a scorer, they still got a lot of good looks and he still got 12 assists. So um, this wasn't one of those games where it was like forced him to do one thing or the other. They got it all. They just couldn't stop. I mean, th- this was a game where they just needed to be able to have a passable defense and, and they didn't have it. That's a good analysis. You swung me on that. That's fair. Um, that, that's a good, that's a good summation of, of where it was like the 12 assists really is, is important there. And the offense yeah. did click and all these things like, you know, if you put up a 119 offensive rating and you can't win, like that to me is like right, right. That to me is yep. conclusive against the Kings. That to me is conclusive proof of your your conceptual framework of we can just outscore P teams. Is I know that they were short Murray. I get that, and Harris. I get that, and Compazzo. I guess, and and Dozier. Like, I, get yeah, I would. I would. That would be a valid excuse if the other two games didn't look identical to this one. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the problem is. Denver scored on them. Jokic scored and assisted. I think he had 18 assists in one of the games against them earlier this year. He's averaging 30 points on the season against them. And it's just not enough because they can't get stops. And it's funny because we always talk, Matt, about the Nuggets are a team that, let you know, they let their guard down against the bad teams. And the more I think about it, the more I wonder, what are these bad teams we're talking about? Atlanta. Well, they have a quick and very quick and, and crafty guard. Uh, Cleveland last year, I think 0-2. Well, what do they have? They have Sexton and Garland very, very quick. Very, very, very quick guards. Sacramento, very quick guard. I, I wonder if it's more of a type that is maybe less dangerous to, you know, none of those teams have seemed to have gotten over the hump, although Cleveland's kind of doing that this year, Atlanta a little bit too. But maybe it's just Denver's kryptonite and the high-level teams over the last couple of years haven't had those types of guys. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think it, I do think it's, it's a problem, though, if you're like, who do you get beat by? Quick guards. Who do you also get beat by? The big Lakers. Okay, well, you're going <laughs> to have to fix one or the other because it's going to, I mean, look, you do match up well with the Clippers because the Clippers don't have either, right? right? Like the Clippers aren't huge and the Clippers don't have, have whatever. But like, I do think that like, imagine as much as I think the Nuggets have moved towards a better place to beat the Rockets in a series last year, they got wall now. Like that's going to be, I think, an interesting matchup when they're fully healthy because in that right. matchup earlier, they didn't have wall. Like wall's right. playing really well. Like these, are the, like that's a team that could give them trouble. Luka Doncic, that's a team that could give them trouble in the playoffs. Um, like you go up and down and like there will be these types of teams. You know, I, I, look, if, if we, if we, again, I just, I come back to, if we accept the prior that the Nuggets are better than the Kings, which most reasonable fans would agree with though. Look, right. the Kings are 11 and 11 now, but we agree that the Nuggets are better than the Kings. You take these three games and you flip it to two and one. The season does look a, a lot better right. for them and a lot, a lot worse for the Kings. But right. these are games that you need, and this is why these guys always yell at these games are so important. Let's take a break. I don't want to talk about Porter on the other side because um, there's a lot to talk about there. Um, but first, before we go to break, let's talk about 10-10. And by that, I mean, I will pull up the ad copy and read it. <laughs> the episode is brought to you by 1010. You may have read about this in the New York Times, InStyle Magazine, and Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 Diamond Masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to mark a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check it out. 
Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for making this part of your day. Matt Moore joined by Adam Marez. I want to tell you guys about Locked On Today, which is really important. We're covering everything you need to know about the Nuggets. But what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. All right, Adam, I got a number for you. Okay. Uh, I was given this this data from Second Spectrum. Mm. Amongst all of the Nuggets rotation players on closeouts, the player with the highest points allowed per chance on closeouts on the Denver Nuggets is, who do you guess? I'm guessing Michael Porter since we were talking about the segment. 1.320 points per What about year. frequency? <clears throat> That's on 65 closeouts. That is... Uh, let's see. I can do it in per games. Hang on. Hang on. I'm just curious if it's above average or below average. Cause I'm, there, there's a reason for this. <clears throat> I'm wondering if player guys shoot against Michael Porter less cause he's so long. So when they shoot, they're a little bit more, it, it just means that the, the shot is more open. Mm, I see what you're saying. Um, I mean, he does have the ninth most per game on the team. So, so that's, the, that's low, right? That's low. And so, and the, but I will say like the gap, oh, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. The sixth most it's Murray, Barton, Harris, Millsap, Monte, and then him. Okay. Which is about um, what you would expect minutes wise. And I would say, let me look at per 36s, which I also have in this data that was provided to me. Uh, and he has, he's still pretty low on, on per 36s too. Um, there as well. So like it's lower on per 36. Like when he's on the court, that doesn't happen as much. I just, I think a lot of this, it's, it's weird because like everyone knew that I was going to flame him today. And I don't know how, like, it's like, I don't want to buy into this, but I'm just, what I'm trying to convey to everyone is there is a, been a, a continual idea of we're going to forgive MPJ all these things because he's young and super talented. And he is both of those things. And on different teams, I think that you can forgive those types of things. I think it's difficult when you expect wins. This is the problem that they have is that MPJ is behind where the rest of the team is, but then MPJ is also behind a player of his experience for where he is in the rotation. Those two things combined means this is like, it just continues to be a problem. I'm not saying that there's a solution, which I know is frustrating. Like I know everyone's like, well, why don't you trade him? And I'm like, you can't trade him. He's too talented. Why don't you play him more? You can't play him more. He's <laughs> too much. I of think a mess. you can. Oh, I think you can play him more. What's interesting about this game is, you know, it was in many ways the perfect game for him to to play all these minutes despite playing poorly. Meaning it was it was a perfect game for Malone to stick with him because you're missing all these guys. You never expect to lose, and of course, even shorthanded, they were favored coming into this game. So like you still, this was a win you could have, but at least this was a game where you say, you know what, we have to at some point just decide on him and, and to decide on him means we have to play him the minutes and know like, Hey, this is not working or this is working. It just needed time. The nuggets needed a game like this. And it probably did cost them. He was that bad that playing him this many minutes probably did cost them a win. But to me, you have to, you have to figure some things out and you have to also, here's the thing I'm real concerned about with him. And I'm not trying to excuse how he played yesterday, man. This is the confidence thing. 
the really bad thing. But I'm telling you, I've seen this so many times out of players when they, they start to play worse and worse and worse. And I thought watching Michael Porter last night, I thought he had just so much weight on his shoulders with everything you could, you, you could just see how miserable he was with every mistake, every miss shot, every time he was out of position. And I'm worried he's moving in the wrong direction. We saw, we've seen Michael Porter play and step in when the team needed him and play phenomenally. We're not, we haven't seen that for several games now, and it seems to just be compounding against him. And it's a small enough sample size. I think we're talking about the last four or five games with him that have been really rough, but you know, it's long enough now that it's a streak that I'm looking at and I'm going, man, he seems to be getting worse, not better. I'm not with you. Like I'm with you in terms of like, I agree with you that he's lacking confidence. He should lack confidence, Adam. He sucked. Like you shouldn't be confident when you play that badly. Like you just shouldn't be. You, you just don't like him though. I mean, this no, that's is not it. it Cause you no, cause not you, it. you can empathize with a player who is like, having I do pound against them. But it's just, no, like, I do. Know. That's the difference though. It's like, I absolutely, here's the difference though. Okay. Like I absolutely, I agree with you. Like this is rough. Right. And like, Monte after the game, like here, like here's a really positive thing. Like I don't hate the kid. Here's a positive thing. Monte after the game said he didn't care about his offensive numbers. He was like, I was a minus twenty. We got killed when I was on the floor. Like that's a really good sign. Oh, I think didn't... Michael Porter really is. See, like, th- and this is part of the confidence thing. Is I think that he's looking at this and he's not going, I should get more shots. I should do this. I think he's looking at it and going, like, I'm an anchor on everything right now, and it sucks. And I, and I have empathy oh, for that. I absolutely have empathy for that. My problem though is like, I'm not going to go into this hole of like, so it's on everybody. And like Malone said it, like Malone was asked about it by Ryan Blackburn yesterday. It was like, he's down on himself. So like, we've got to pick him up. And I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, he's at first, everyone was like, he needs to get the opportunities. That's the problem. He's gotten the opportunities. He's gotten the minutes. He no, he has, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Tonight he did. Tonight he did. That has not been the case for the last. He's like, four played more than Barton in three of the last four games. Well, Barton's been rough too. I mean, Barton was miserable in this game but, as well. But no one's being like, no one is out there like, man, poor Barton. His confidence is shot. We got to help out Barton. Everyone's like, get the bum off the team. Like, I- I'm sorry. Like, we need to be consistent with this. And I'm not saying we got to get him off the team, but this is like, there is a consistency issue here with me in that, yes, I, I recognize that his confidence is struggling. Like, I-, I totally agree with you. And that sucks. Like, it sucks for any player. I saw like Aaron Aflalo went through it. I've seen JJ Reddick go through it. Right. And I've seen JJ Reddick go through like not having confidence in what in his play and shot. And then some part of that was trade rumors. And I get that there's a lot on him. Right. And so like, but my only thing though, is like, we do have to, at some level, accurately provide accountability in fair ways. Like he wants to be the star. He's talked a big game. We know that like the players have told us that. Yeah. But I think you're hearing an excuse where there's not an excuse. I'm trying to provide full context, the context to what's going on with him. And and I, I do think that this confidence in like, does your team like you and trust you? Does your coach like you and trust you is a big part of it that he's it missing right now. And, but I also don't pounding the fact that he also, so he always makes defensive mistakes, but he makes shots. And it's like, okay, maybe that's a little bit of a minus because we need to get him over the hump. Right now, the shots are gone too, and they're good looks, you know, where he fits into all this equation. And Matt, I'm sorry, but we do have to look at the full spectrum of this and say the Nuggets have had players come through the system, not get a chance for various reasons that, again, like we talk about Nurkic. Do we blame Malone for, for Nurkic quitting and doing all these things? No, of course not. But as part of a broader context to say, like, it didn't work out and he was a very talented player. Malik Beasley, similar things. Couldn't get the opportunity. Goes to another team. Looks like a very extremely talented player, even with his baggage. And then even most recently, you look at a Jeremy Grant, who was, even in my eyes, looked at as this player that 
low usage. We don't need to give him this or that. And he goes to another team and starts to thrive. So you look at this and you say, what is it that now we're starting to have a string of players that for whatever reason come into Denver and get worse over time or lose confidence over time? And and I don't know. And again, I'm not trying to put this on any one person, but I do. You're think trying not to put it on MPJ and you're trying to put it on Malone. That's what you're trying to Matt, do. Matt, I don't know what I have to say here. He was a minus 20. He was terrible he was. in this game. He missed all of his shots. He missed defensive. I mean, we've already, I've talked about all this stuff. I don't, I don't know what else to say. The question is, there's a problem here. How do you solve it? And what is all the context for what is, what is causing this problem? Maybe it is 100% MPJ, but I'm just saying we've seen him be good before. We've seen him be good in this role. He's getting worse. Yeah, I think a lot of this, though, is like it's and so this this is what's really weird is there are games where he looks like he could just shoot everything and it doesn't matter how bad the look is and it goes in. And those are the games that everyone freaks out about. And they're like, why doesn't he play 45 minutes? And like, he's the most amazing player. And he could be, and like, that's where you and I got on board with like, he's going to be a star this season. Um, these are the games that that I always kind of go back to. Like, this is like this is one of the things that has caused me issues over the last couple of years with the shot making in the NBA where I'm like you're not creating quality looks, if you're not generating quality looks, if your impact isn't good, all you're really doing is hoping the shot goes in. Like that's what's going to save you. And I I think a lot of it is you're going to have to be able to provide, like, I just don't know that the shot's always going to be there, especially at this stage in his career, right? Like he's going to have bad night shooting. Like this is one of the things is if he makes more shots tonight, he's not a minus 20. Right. But the problem is there are other players where they can not shoot well and they're not a minus 20, right? Yeah. I mean, he's obviously not bringing that aspect of the game at all, even on his good games. Like he's still, he's still struggling on that. And I'm not, I'm not asking him to be good defensively. I'm really not. Um, I think a lot of it for me is just, there's just so many times when he still doesn't have the focus to know what he's doing. Like my biggest, and I do want to ask you about this. This is how I started describing it. And I want to get your thoughts on this. I think he has incredible feel for the game in a one-on-one context. I've never seen a player have that kind of feel and lack so much right. feel for five on five. Am I wrong? No, I, I mean, he does like, I've, we've talked about this. He has some like great cutting instincts, but only a very specific type, not like all types. It's really receiving the ball or this or that. So I, I agree. And with I, you. I, I get what his, you're saying. His instincts I, are very uneven. I do want to point out though, in response to some of your comments, like, no one thought Jeremy Grant was going to be this good in Detroit. The Pistons are also five and 12. Right. Like nobody thought that. And this is not just in Denver, like across the league, everyone was like, what the hell are the Pistons doing? Um, and when I asked about some people about it this week, they were still like, yeah, good for Jeremy. He's definitely going to make that money. And, you know, he's right. probably going to get a lot of accolades and the team's still horrible, but right. I, that's what they want. They got it. Right. Um, you know, I feel about Nurkic. We don't have to re- we don't have to rehash that. Um, he's not good, but I think, uh, who else did we talk about? Malik Beasley was the other one. And then another Malik. player that didn't, that, yeah, just kind of buried on the bench, but I think for good reason. Like there were right. good players ahead of him. Now, like I, w- I will say, like if you ask, it, well, here's what's really crazy is like, can you claim that Denver's developmental system isn't good given how many guys right. have come through and flourished in the system? Like not just Jokic and Murray, but like Monte Morris has, has become right. like a really good yeah, player. Gary Harris really became a really good player before injuries were like a real problem. Right. Like we have like, a- it's, a, it's at the very least becoming a bit more uneven because I think there was a point in time when, when the, the track record was just incredible and like, Oh my God, every single player that comes through. And now there, it, it does feel like over the last two or three years, there's been a little bit of a decline in that. But this is what I'm saying though, Matt is we are two years now into this experiment. The Nuggets desperately need, I, in my opinion, to get this right, whether that is getting him up to the level that they need to be, or it's 
getting his value and then moving along because it just doesn't fit the system. And neither of those things are true right now right. Are, are happening right now. And of course I'm with you that I think I'm a big believer in personal responsibility. Like it always, the lion's share of it falls on Michael Porter and he just is not grasping it. He spent an entire season as a red shirt, didn't learn the plays, didn't learn the schemes. He comes in and has slow progress and now you're in year two and he doesn't. Uh, we got that lion's share of the blame goes there, but now we have to look at some of the other things and say, well, what's going on? Because his confidence sure looks shot and his minutes are up and down and it does. And I think at some point you have to say, okay, what are all of the things that are going into this for him not getting over the hump? I, I, so here's like, I think a, a good example of this is Jamal caught up to the curve that Malone set for him. Like, in the playoffs. You're saying, and, I mean, before that, like 2018, okay. 19, like Malone okay. was frustrated with Jamal early in his career. It's why Jameer kept playing. Right. 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 And then they had to get rid of Jameer to give him minutes but he did catch up. And when he caught up, like Jamal's a really smart player. Now Jamal's wow. not a dumb player at all. No, no. He's and as a rookie, him. when he was drafted, I was like, he's going to be one of those dumb gunners, but he's going to score a lot. And that's not who Jamal Murray is at all. He's a really intelligent, crafty player that knows how to navigate what, what, what a lot that's been asked of him. Jokic, we thought was not going to be a Malone guy, but it turns out that high basketball IQ guys are always going to resp- like, that makes, right. that was a blind spot. Cause like coaches, good coaches and Malone's a good coach are always going to respond to guys that are high, have high basketball IQ. Right. It's why he likes Campazzo so much. I think it's why he likes RJ Hampton. I think RJ Hampton actually has a pretty big basketball IQ for a rookie. Uh, we got to spend more time on him in segment three. As he was yeah. very interesting. I, I, th- I thought he looked really good. Um, I think that this is the first player who was so talented, but just was so lacking in the areas that drive Malone nuts. And he keeps trying to pull him up to that level. And it's not working. And everyone's calling for a softer, uh, a softer guidance. Soft. But this, this is the thing is I'm not even saying it's a softer this or that. I'm just saying there's not progress here. And either it's just hopeless because he can't learn the game or there's something going on. That's just not let, you know, there's some disconnect there. I think, I don't he think does. basketball is not, not neuroscience. Like it's not, you know, you're not tr- building rockets here. It's, the game is not as complicated as I think people want to make it out to be. And so when a player just routinely is not catching up to speed, I, I just feel like there's a disconnect. Yeah. Well, I see, and I agree on that, but my, where I come down is like, it's not neuroscience. So why is it after a year of sitting on the bench, he still doesn't know the offense. Why was it after all yeah. the stuff that happened? Like he got minutes and he had an off season that was short, but he comes in and he still gets lost so often. Like, this is where I come in and I'm just like, are they like, do you have to like hold his hand and go through all Like, I don't know how to, and like, I couldn't do it. I could, I couldn't do it, but I couldn't do any of this shit, but I, I do, but that's where I wind up coming in. I'm just like, at some point I do think it like, you could only ask so much of an organization and a coaching staff. I don't know how, I don't know what more you can I, ask of a supporting structure than like yeah. what he's been given. He's been given minutes, opportunity, shots, personal yeah. coaching, like they, they came into the season. Well, I, I really don't like where this is headed over the last uh, f- four or five games. And I think Nuggets fans have to be rightfully pretty concerned about it. And, you know, the Nuggets are one and three in their last ones. There've been some good teams, granted, San Antonio, Utah, the Lakers, the one bad team in Sacramento, but it's just, it's trending in the wrong direction over this last little bit. And I, I've unfortunately both through as a through a playing career, but also just through watching the NBA, you see these types of situations a lot. Where so, uh, are you being? Do you? I am asking. I am genuinely interested in your responses. 
are you saying like, I really don't know what he needs, but he needs something that's missing or do you have an Correct. idea? Yeah, of course. A hundred percent. Like, yeah, I'm not trying to put, I'm not trying to assign up to like a, this is why I'm saying like, it always falls on the player. Tim Conley has this great quote about like too many players think they need the situation to be perfect. And that's just not going to come. You have to learn how to make the best of whatever bad situation you're in. So it always falls on Michael Porter, but I also think that it also falls on everybody. It falls on Jokic, Murray, Malone. It falls on everybody because for them to succeed, they need him to succeed, and that's not happening. And people seem frustrated with him. Malone seems to not have any confidence in him. He doesn't have any confidence in himself. And now you look at all of the pieces and you say, okay, as a, everything is failing about Michael Porter, and if it continues to fail in this way, you're not even going to be able to move him for the the, the same prices that you were expecting to right. before. Right. Now I wouldn't be shocked if like next game he goes out and he cans like a bunch of jumpers and then it's just like man what I mean like he has I would be a games. little bit surprised. That's what's crazy is I would be a little bit surprised at this point just because the, the confidence is so shaken. I can yeah. understand. I, I mean, look, I do think and like look, I will say this too. Like, um, you know, Ryan asked Malone about it yesterday, and he said it is on. Like, what do you what do you have to do? He asked Malone, what do you have to do to get MPJ on on track? Right. And Malone said you know, sometimes it's on the player to help in your own recovery. That to me does indicate that there's like, like this is part of it, right? Is like, if you're getting down on yourself and you're not doing anything. And I think this gets back to the rebounding stuff a lot too, where it's like, if your shot's not falling, focus on the other stuff. Right. And it does feel like MPJ game by game only does one or the other. If he's trying to score, he's trying to score. And if he doesn't score, he gets down. And if he got not, worse as the game went on in this game too. I mean, that's part of it is like, as the game was going on, it, the reels were coming off for him specifically, but here, here's another analogy for this. Cause we're, I think often when we have these types of arguments, Matt, we're talking about like this from some ethical standpoint, like we can both agree that this always comes down in life in general, always comes down to like, no excuses, figure your way through it. This is the big boy league, whatever, but the nuggets can't, there, there's the method of like the Navy seals, hundred Navy seals go to, to, to boot camp, right? And to make it because we get the strongest and most mentally tough make it. The Nuggets can't run their organization that way because I'm sorry, you're not going to get enough guys. You're just going to end up with not nearly enough good players. You have to find other ways to kind of bring your your talented players along and get them there. And if you just do this, only the strong survive with us, you're going to end up with Jokic, Murray, and not nearly enough other pieces to make to get over the hump. But I don't ever get the sense like this is a really... I don't get the sense from from Millsap or from anybody else that this is a really this isn't a Tibbs organization. This isn't like a they're not they're not it's not Jim Boylan. They're not doing drills. They don't. I don't. I don't mean this from a physical standpoint. I'm just talking about what's that? Yeah, Yeah, mentally. It's really more mentally, honestly. I get. I get what you're saying. And Mills and maybe this is part of it. Is like Millsap has said that this is the most attention to detail organization he's ever been a part of. Mm. Attention. Uh, I, I, I was not attention. I had no attention to detail. When I was 20 took me until I was 35 to have any passing semblance of it. Like maybe that's part of it. Um, I do just wind up. My big thing here is you could say the organization needs this to work. So everybody's going to have to just deal with the fact that he's a drag and try and pull him up. I just, what I don't want is I don't want to blame the nuggets or the coaching staff, the development staff. Like, this player has been given opportunities. He has been given shots. He has been given minutes. He closed the game after 
He was after all those. those oh, money. they went back to him. They went back to him. I, back there to was him. a moment when I was like, they can win this if they don't go back to him. <laughs> and they went back to him, which is what you want, right? Like you right, want to try yeah. and help him. That's why I said, yeah, that you had to do it. You want to work through it. Um, yeah. I think also what I think is surprising about the about one more thing and we'll go right go to break. What I think is surprising about the the confidence thing is that he is known as such a confident. Yeah. This is what's so crazy about it is I would not have guessed he struggled with confidence. But I, but I would also say, like, to me, that's a warning sign about him. Because if you're somebody that you're um, super confident before things get hard and then adversity hits and your confidence mm, gets shaken. I like this. That says something about who you are. Because there are guys in this league that are like that. Every guy comes into this league thinking that they're going to take the league by storm. Well, Every guy. And we are, as much as I keep referring to four games, four games is a small sample size. And, you know, I think that with him, there is a hope that he is being broken down in a way that just was maybe harder. You know, he kind of needed to be. And 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 there can be like a, a steeper curve on the other side once, we, you know, sometimes it takes a long time to tear something down and, and it, it gets built up a lot quicker. So maybe that's the thing with him that all this stuff is going to click at some, some near point, but and that's not, that's what I think you just got to do. I think you just keep pounding the rock. Like yeah. that, that's to me is like, I don't think you should trade him. I don't think you should bench him. I don't right. think you should. I agree. I agree. <laughs> you got to go through this and you might end up losing a bunch of games. But... I don't think you remove him from the rotation. I don't think, yeah. um, but I do think that if he doesn't play in certain situations, people need to not lose their minds. Right. Because of the good games and remember you know, and, and again, a lot of this is for me is just like, it's about account. Like I think a, a healthy organization has accountability and like Will Barton shot terribly yesterday. His plus minus wasn't bad, but Will didn't help. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I will say just a lot of this is that they, they need a wing. Yeah, they really do. Let's go ahead and break and we'll talk about RJ Hampton. We'll talk more about what they need. Um, and we'll try and put some of this more in perspective, but first, we're recording this on Sunday, Adam, so that no one has to deal with me <laughs> either way. Um, if you're hoping for me to be downtrodden, you'll get that on Tuesday. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday before a big game is being played. But even after that big game is played, you will still have so many opportunities to wager on sports, to have an invested. It's just always fun to have a little something extra on the games. Uh, I've been taking bets from friends all week about various things on the game. It's been fun. Uh, you got college basketball. We're going to have baseball probably again soon. Uh, NBA, the playoffs, NHL, all of these things. And the place that you want to get their wagers down is, is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts we're also brought to you today by built bar lovely delicious built bar got a new package in the mail which i was very excited about with a coconut bar which was absolutely delicious you got your 12 original flavors like banana bread that one's awesome double chocolate all the bars are covered in 100 chocolate they're soft and easy to chew let's talk about the cookies and cream bar because i love that flavor 17 grams of protein 130 calories only four grams sugar and only four grams of net carbs Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets.
final segment here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for making this part of your day. Really appreciate you on a Monday after the Nuggets dropped their second in a row versus the Sacramento Kings. As Adam has noted, have lost three of their last four now. I do want to tell you guys about Locked On Bets. It's a new show that the Locked On Network has added. 2020 is mercifully over and it's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get podcasts. RJ Hampton was pretty good yesterday, Adam. I like this kid. He plays hard, man. It's funny. He's and he's in a different spot than Michael Porter is now, but he's kind of the anti-Porter in that he went out there with a very clear understanding of what it is he's out there to do. Hustle, rebound, dive on the floor, try to defend as, hard, as best he could. And I thought he actually did a really nice job defensively maybe better than most of the other players, Barton, yeah. you know, Monte. I mean, he in some, I almost felt more comfortable, uh, comfortable with him on ball than, than some of those other guys. So he, I have a, I have a TJ McBride level take. For you. Oh my God. Let's hear it. Let's start him over Monte next game. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I think Monte is better with the yeah. second unit. I do Jokic not like might just walk off the court. I, I don't like Morris with the starters. I really don't. I don't like Morris with the starters. I think he was RJ. RJ's not going to get in the way of the offense. I am a big fan of of giving low usage players around Jokic, and again, the offense wasn't the problem yesterday. They get 119 offensive rating or whatever. Um, so I, I like giving more players to Jokic that are going to defer to him because I just think that it, it, it's best. Um, I just don't know that you can put that many variables. <laughs> I don't know that you can give Jokic that many players where it's like, hey, you have to carry Porter, and you also have to carry RJ, and you've, you've also got to carry Barton, who can't run right now, and Millsap's not really you know, doing much for you offensively anymore. Like, I, I just don't think you can give him that many. I think it'd be okay. I just think that you'd be, I think you'd be pretty confident, especially if you have better balance offensively and defensively. Like, I think, I think RJ would find a bunch of spots where he could play. Now, maybe not the next game because you are playing Milwaukee. And the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I don't know that I want, I don't want RJ Hampton's uh, level of confidence to face Drew Holiday. That's not a thing that I necessarily want to have happen. Uh, but I do like him. I think that we saw some good things from him. I think that he's he's was a positive. I thought that he played. I thought his, his closeouts were better. I thought he was able to hang once he when he did get beat. Um, I, I I was really encouraged by what I saw from him. Uh, you're you've been really fascinated. I think fascinated is the right word for you and Marcus Howard. Like I don't you're not like out here being like he's gonna be great. You just kind of like, don't think he's an NBA player. I've never thought he's an NBA player, but he is fun. You're right. He's just fun because yeah. any guy that just chucks the ball whenever he has the tiniest amount of daylight is fun. Uh, are, here's he didn't make very uh, many though. <laughs> yeah, one I think. Yeah, and he's not gonna play if they get anybody else back healthy, and we don't know how long any of this is gonna be on on these guys. I, I guess Jamal might. Be back next game. I, I kind of anticipate him being back next game. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah, I do. Right. Um, with, with regards to Marcus Howard, though, I do feel bad for him because this was his chance. I don't know how many chances he's going to get this season, and he yeah, got a, a bunch of wide open looks. Like the one thing I do think he can do is shoot, and he just couldn't shoot yesterday. Yeah, which is too bad. Uh, it is funny. I, I do appreciate doing the show with you, though. That we can look at Will Barton's misses and Michael Porter's misses and Marcus Howard's misses, and you and I are still like. Yeah, but they scored 119 points per hundred possessions. Like right. They were fine. Like they just needed to get some stops. Well, because ultimately, could Denver have had a 125 offensive rating and won this game? Absolutely. So it's easy to point to that. But at some point, you have to be like, "Hey, 119 is good enough." When you don't win with that, you got you got to look at the other side of the court. I think Denver needs to get a wing. I, I think know. that they're gonna. I think whether it means one of the starters or like 
I know that they're not they're going to resist that because they want to save everything for a big trade. Like, do you do you give up on the dream of Beal? I mean, I don't, it's tough. To, we've talked about this so many times, but I just I don't know what Beal again. What's their offensive rating versus defensive rating in this game? If they had Bradley Beal, Jokic probably scores twenty less. Beal scores twenty one. I mean, I don't know. So. I, I just don't know. I am with you, though, in that you look at some of the things Denver's lacking. A couple things here. I think they need athleticism. I really want to see what a Jokic team looks like with length and athleticism. And part of that, part of this season, what's what I think has been so frustrating is lacking those things. But wings, guards, whatever it is, just adding more guys. And Dozier is one of these guys. Gary Harris at his best was one of these. You know, he didn't have the length, but he, he was athletic. So some of this is just unfortunate bad luck. But I, I think they just need to become more athletic. They're, Jokic is below below average athletically. Millsap's below a, uh, average athletically. Barton right now injured below a, average athletically. Jamal Murray, I think, is about average athletically. I mean, in some ways he's above, in some ways he's below. That's a lot of guys. Jermichael Green, Monte Morris. You just start going through down the list. Facundo Campazzo. You go down the list and you go like, man, they really are at a disadvantage athletically in most matchups, one one through five. I got an idea to, throw, to flip by you. Okay. Terrence Ross. He's athletic. But again, does he add, uh, tell me, defensively, does he add what Denver needs? He's been so much better under Steve Clifford in Orlando. Like he just developed because he's older, right? Yeah. Like, he's no longer like a young guy. So he's learned like every, I trust almost all of the magic guys to defend. There's just, yeah. there's not a magic guy that doesn't defend well because they don't play. Like right. Clifford's not going to play him. And he doesn't have yeah. to because the talent isn't there to have to be like, well, I, I got to, I have to, you know, like, Clifford's gotten Vucevic to be pretty good defensively. Like he really is. He's pretty good defensively. Right. Um, Vucevic having an amazing season though, but Ross, their season is going down the tanks of injuries. They lost Markel Fultz. They lost Jonathan Isaac. They lost Aaron Gordon for a long time. Like their season's going down the tank. Yeah. Ross has been on the trade block. He's been available. He's a quality shooter. He's a good spot up guy. He's great in transition. He's going to take a few shots that you don't want that you don't want. Like I would never want to see a Will Barton, Terrence Ross lineup. Right. 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 So like, to tell you about what might need to be traded there. But I would think that Ross would be a, a pretty quality addition in that situation. Like I would, I think Ross would is a type of player that would help a lot. That's gettable because like a lot of the guys, like you're not getting Robert Covington. Like this, Blazers aren't gonna the give thing, up. Yeah, there's yeah. The Blazers are going to give up the ghost. So, you know, like you can get PJ Tucker, but I don't think PJ Tucker is going to be what you need. I don't think so either. Yeah. I've, I've always, yeah. So that, you need athleticism. Know. You're not getting Mikhail Bridges. That's not happening, right? Right. Those are the types of players, though. I really think Denver can start to prioritize, and you know, Michael represents one of these guys because he's he's above average athletically. He just needs to get every other aspect of the game down. <laughs> <laughs> he is athletic. It's true. It's true. Um, I did notice, though. However, I, I do want to notice in, in the Lakers game because we didn't talk after that one because I was sick. Uh, not COVID, by the way, if you're wondering. Um, thankfully, but uh, there was a sequence where they ran pick and roll, and Jamal found. Porter on a cut and he didn't love it. He just threw a nice bounce pass. He dunked it. And I was like, there you go. No lobs for MPJ. That's Sneaky a big thing. bad skill of MPJ is his hands. He has really, really, really weak hands, which is weird, right? That's weird. It's very weird. It's very, I strange. feel bad because everyone, like everyone thinks I hate MPJ and I, that's frustrating to me because like, I know how talented he is. I know how good he is. <laughs> like I know how good he is. I know how important he is. You and I were calling for him to start last year. I thought he was ready. I really, I really thought he. Was I thought ready. he was too. The playoffs taught us he wasn't. I mean, there's a real correlation you can draw between. I thought he was regular he season. Even he even says this. By the way, people are going to be like, "You're blaming MPJ for losses." Michael Porter's blaming Michael Porter for losses. He he saw it last year in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, and I think like, look, it's not that like the I'm not sitting here saying like the the Nuggets would have won if not for MPJ. 
There right, were right. five other guys. There were four other guys on the court when he was minus 20. Yeah. You know, like the, that right. matters. Um, and they're shorthanded. I, and I, I try and be the, the team is will always, whenever you ask about these teams, the team, these, the team is always going to tell you, look, we weren't healthy. Like this right. is not the team that we put together. We put together a team with Jamal Murray and Gary Harris and PJ Dozier and Faco Campazzo. Right. You know, and like Faco is, is, was playing better before the injury, you right. know, like had some bright spots. So you seem concerned. How important is this Bucks game? Well, so here, if you look at their schedule, you know, the Bucks are obviously a really tough team. Um, so that one, I, it's, it's just going to be tough to win unless they get healthier and have some big performances, but it's at home. You go after that, you've got Cleveland and Oklahoma city back to back before you going and before getting the Lakers, not, not on a back to back, just in a row. Sorry. I know, but that's dangerous. So, it's, da- it's dangerous, but they should win those games. I, you're right. That it is dangerous, but they should win those ones. So yeah. I look at these next three games, the three game homestand. And I think like, I would love for Denver to win all three, but if you can just get a little stabilization and get Michael Porter over whatever it is, this little funk that he's in, if you can get healthy, some healthy bodies and you can continue look Jokic. Yo, they haven't, their record is what 12 and 10 this year. They've lost 10 games. It's not a great record, but Jokic has made them in almost every single game. Like that's, that's the thing. He's playing at a level that whether it's the bucks or the Cavs, like you're going to be like, okay, we're going to be in it. And if you can just get over the hump on some of these other things, I, I think, I, I think it'd be good. We become a real positive. Yep. And they'll play Sacramento again. That's the best news. Maybe of all, maybe the best news. All right, let's wrap it up. Thanks for joining us on Lockdown Nuggets. Hope you guys have a great start to your week. We'll be back with you all week. Continuing coverage of the Denver Nuggets. Make sure to check out everything on the Lockdown Network. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us out so much. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Nuggets. I'll see you guys again next time on Lockdown.